0: 6349 or slash portland On this episode of the podcast, Nick and I took a road trip to Eastern Oregon. We're currently in Lagrand. We're going to have a couple of these, so this is the first episode from Lagrand, and we have Calvin Bennett, who is the student body president at Eastern Oregon University, podcast listener, and uh Republican. Yeah, <laughs> Th- <laughs> thank you for having me. Very important qualities. We love both of those. <laughs> well, right. Calvin, welcome. Uh, why don't you take a couple seconds to tell us who you are? And yeah,
1: well, my name's Calvin Bennett. I'm from the small town or metropolis of Mitchell, Oregon, and I'm a left-handed gingerborn April Fools.
2: Nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, love it.
1: Yeah. Uh, currently a senior here at Eastern Oregon University, serving as president for my senior year and a double major in business and marketing with a minor in political science, which is uh, more of my hobby, so that's wow. why it's the minor.
0: Double major and a, and a minor. Yep. yep. So, what are you gonna, planning to do after you graduate?
1: Uh, I have no specific plans yet, but eventually I'd really like to get into the Oregon State Legislature and try to
0: fix some of those problems I'm sitting uh, there right we now. All, don't we <laughs> all? Right. Right. in the legislature. There's plenty <laughs> of problems to fix. They're yeah. not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, one of the things we want to talk about and I guess we'll just jump right in is, um, you're a, you're a younger folk. Um, 21. Mm-hmm. Yep. 21. Um, I was <laughs> joking beforehand that, uh, Nick and I are kind of aging out of that young Republican thing. Uh, I'm now 38, which is yeah. older than I that's, that's would not, like. You're not young. No, i No, not young anymore. So, um, as a, as a young Republican, what is it that drew you to the party? And, uh, why aren't you a Democrat like all the all the other twenty somethings? <laughs>
1: that's fair. I mean, I always love to share this quote. Winston Churchill once said, "If you're not a liberal in your twenties, you don't have a heart, and if you're not mm. a conservative in your forties, you don't have a brain." Heartless, yeah, heartless. <laughs> uh, that's what they always say. Call me the weekend, but um, <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, yeah. Uh, I think I think it really just comes down to my background. Um, I was born in or in Alaska, kind of in the middle of nowhere. We all know oh, yeah. Alaska what, is kind of a what conservative part of state. Alaska? Uh, Fairbanks. Okay. So central. Nice. Cold. Uh, very yeah, cold. Very cold. Very yep. cold. Yeah. I experienced negative 50 a couple times in my life. Yeah, many Christmas. Ch- Chili. When it's colder than your freezer outside, it's, uh, it's pretty <laughs> That's cold. cold. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was just really the values my, my parents instilled in me. Um, I think that was a big factor. And, and then coming down to Mitchell, I moved there when I was nine. For those of you who don't know, Mitchell is a town of a hundred people. Uh, to put that in perspective, I graduated in a class of two. To be fair. Two people. Two people. Yeah. A Class of two. To be fair though there was there was four of us however we graduated in 2020 and covid kind of ended the careers of two of them so it was huh. tough at least i got valedictorian uh, <laughs> all right so shot, huh? yeah it was it was a, it was a struggle <laughs> out the mud um but no i'm just really living in that rural area and some some consider it frontier and having to kind of really, I don't want to say fend for yourself, but fend for yourself, and a lot of stuff is up to you. You have to wear a lot of different hats if you want to succeed. You have to be able to accomplish things on your own. You don't have the resources that other people in other schools have. I mean, there's not really, a, like, some years there was a guidance counselor, some years there weren't. Some years there was an ag teacher, some years there weren't. Some years there was a math and English teacher, and some years there weren't. I mean, you really have to, like, do a lot of just being self-efficient or efficient, uh-huh.
0: So yeah. we were uh, just at the university a little bit ago, and I think they said yeah. there were 1,200 students yeah, about, on campus mm-hmm. in, at Eastern Oregon, which is interesting. So I went to Corbin University with 800 students at our, the time. I don't know. Our rivals, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Same, same conference, NAIA. I guess you guys mm-hmm. play each other in sports. I was mm-hmm. never into sports at the time but uh yeah
2: also that was a couple decades ago so <laughs> i also you know, i went to a smallish school at university of texas has only 50 yeah, yeah. thousand people that- right yeah that's not <laughs> not the same thing um <laughs> very different experiences very yeah
0: so uh is there much of a democratic presence here in the area do you find yourself um or is it pretty much everybody just waves their trump flags and um I mean, is is there political discourse or is everybody just kind of like yeah. on the same side mm-hmm. of the aisle?
1: There, there definitely is political discourse. I mean, there still is a university, even though it is Oregon's rural university. There's sure. there's definitely a uh, division. I mean, we not only have a turning point club on campus, which is fairly new, hmm. Um, hmm. but we also have – or I mean, there is, there is isn't legitimate or like actual partisan groups on campus. However, there are groups that normally do lean to the left and do uh, often conflict with like that turning point group's uh, priorities. So, I mean, we have like our – Sage Club, which is essentially an LGBTQ plus club, and those Mm -hmm. those guys often conflict. Some, uh, I think there was a African American club on campus, and now that's not there anymore. I think that was there for a year, and then people graduated and left. You know, but yeah, no, there often is a lot of political discourse, especially between. Faculty actually is where we see a lot of that, and hmm. that's that's where I get to see it a lot now. Um, it, I, I I sit on a lot of committees where they're talking about finance, and you can just definitely tell there's like different political and ideological differences when people are talking about who to fund and how to fund them.
0: So, oh, interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, what what are things that matter to you as a 21 year old Republican in Eastern Oregon? Um, what can the Republican Party? So again, we're we're coming from the the background of. Portland, you know, mm. big city, uh, very not blue, very blue, not a lot of Republicans. Um, so I've got my ideas about what can appeal to young people, but again, we're not, I'm not young anymore. You so the, things, <laughs> the things that matter yeah. to us are probably not. And, and if we're, if the Republican party is going to survive, it's got to start reaching out to, to young folks. Um, yeah. is it a, a branding issue? Is it a policy issue? Is it, you know, what do you, what do you think that we can, um, mm-hmm. swing some of those moderates i i yeah i think that's that's really good i i'd like to start off and this goes into my marketing background we
1: have to identify what young people are i guess first and who what what they've experienced in their lives their like coming of age story for a lot of people my age was donald trump being elected president Hmm. that is their total like understanding with the republican party is trump and the republican party are the same thing to a lot of people in my generation yeah and so they they went through his presidency and then
0: probably not a not a positive uh yeah and so
1: yeah i mean that puts a lot of people in their camps whether or not some people do think that's positive there are a lot of there are a lot of students here who are trump is their favorite person ever yeah um but yeah so they went through his presidency and then they had covid i mean that's when i graduated college i I was literally 18 i just turned 18 right after the pandemic lockdown started because it was april 1st yeah and then they've gone now and so now they're in the biden presidency and the only political experiences that they're really talking about now is like ukraine Hmm. and the israel gaza thing to be more uh, relevant now and so they're just seeing kind of these big crises and they're saying where republicans are now and they're like well we kind of have donald trump being <laughs> donald trump mm-hmm. to be fair and then we have joe biden being sleepy and that's kind of their interpretation for the party is is, <laughs> is biden and obama and so i think that's a really good thing to set it out and so now what i see is there's two different paths to get people i like one i really don't like the other one we point at the other guys and say hey they're crazy, especially this I think the strategy works best in Oregon. They're crazy. We're the rational Republicans. Hmm. Come on, nice. we're just we're just, yeah, thank he you. The, he
0: said the name of the show. He <laughs> <laughs> said it. That's, That's the name of the movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we uh I mean, just look at them and be like, those policies are crazy. They don't want to plow roads in the snow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna be over here, we're gonna do good governance, let's do that. Or number two, you look at these disillusioned people who are like realistically disillusioned with not only politics, but just America in general, there's a massive thing on college campuses right now with that. And you kind of turn to the more like they're, they're the bad guys instead of they're not, instead of they're not competent, you look at them as the enemy. Mm -hmm. And that's the other way that I see a lot of people using this. And that's where clubs like turning point kind of uh, lean to is they're like, those guys are just plain out evil. Be Mm -hmm. a Republican instead.
0: It's hard to take that second path as a, uh, urban you know portland resident because everybody's a democrat and if you don't if you're not friends with democrats you don't have any friends Mm -hmm. in general so um you kind of have to be a little more i don't know i think that that at least for me personally that is uh a bit of a moderating force is that i have to interact with these people on a regular basis and if i don't empathize at least a little bit with those with those policies that um you just end up turning people off and not everybody can be just like a you know, hardcore right wing conservative, you'll just, you'll have no friends. You'll just be very much on an island. It's, it, yes. it's, it's very, it's true. not fun.
2: <laughs> I will say the, to the, the flip side of that too is living somewhere like Portland, it's super easy for us to kind of point out and just be like, hey, uh, this, these roads have had potholes for four years now and you keep electing the same people and they haven't done anything about it. Or we've had homeless encampments for, eight or ten years now, and you keep electing the same people and they haven't done anything about it. and to to a person that you go through, and if it's a hyper-partisan, hippie, lefty, yeah, mm-hmm. you're never going to win that argument, but if it's just any normal, you know, person that you talk to on the street, don't even ask their affiliation to because it's Portland, you can just assume they're a Democrat, but mm-hmm. you can just be like, hey, wouldn't it be nice if we had fewer homeless people accosting us? Wouldn't it be nice if we had roads that worked? Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to worry about moving businesses up to Vancouver, which is, we're You know, six miles away from the state of Washington where you don't have to pay state income tax. So a lot of people are moving up to Vancouver and it's just like, wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to try to shoot ourselves in the foot and we're still able to compete with that and have like businesses that were open downtown and everybody, everybody's going to say yes, but it's just like, well, here's an opportunity to vote for somebody that's going to make all that happen. And like, Ooh, no, he's got an R by his name.
0: Well, that's the problem. One of the problems is that the Democrats are facing the same kind of issue where the best way, or the way that that they have chosen to grow their ranks, is to point at Republicans as being the crazy people. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mentioned several times already this trip that I that I'm on Reddit, and uh, I feel like you can get a pretty good good pulse of what's going on because they're they're I feel like they're they're thinking Democrats on the our Portland subreddit, and they will to a person talk about how much, how change is needed in Multnomah County and change is needed in the city of Portland. And we need to elect better people, but then, but also not Republicans that we need, (laughs) we need different Democrats out there. And, and I just want to, I just want to shake them and be like, these are the best you have. Like you keep electing them because they are the best Democrats out there. If you want change, you need to make Mm -hmm. a change. And it doesn't seem to it doesn't resonate because, again, they see us as Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates and you know, take your your you know far right Josh Hawley. You know that that's how they portray all of us. Never mind that there are seventy million people that voted for Donald Trump and not all of them are not like that. All of them are racist. Turns so. out, <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. Um, so you mentioned kind of the the LGBT club and the black club. Um, as being conflicting, I guess, with the Republicans or the mm-hmm. turning point or whomever. Um, do you think there's an opportunity to reach out to those folks and bring them in? Or are they, uh, at least in your experience here on, on campus?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're saying bring them into the party, I, yeah. I don't think there currently is a way, a way to do that. They're mm-hmm. just, they're not really interested in that. Um, essentially one way you can kind of look at those clubs a lot of times pol- politics wise is that they're just surrogates for a democratic club because mm. there's no young Democrats to my knowledge, at least not here in Oregon. Uh, but there are young Republican clubs because they don't have those surrogate type affiliations where you just say, got it. Like I can't think of an equivalent to an LGBTQ plus club for Republicans off the top of my head. on do FFA.
0: <laughs> FFA. Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> FFA and four H probably not. No,
1: uh, make the best just, better. Right. Just joking. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, <laughs> It yeah, was I, it was funny when I was in school too because yeah. that like Republicans are so rare on a college campus that it's just like well we actually we had two organizations that you could join what we called the Young Conservatives of Texas or the the Young Republicans mm-hmm. it's just like one was affiliated with the party and one wasn't but it's they're both for like we'd both do the same things we'd host speakers and do voter registration all that kind of stuff but if you're a Democrat you can be whatever kind of Democrat like there was the global warming people yeah. there was the um, save the animals. People, there was the sweatshop people. There was the like LGBTQ mm-hmm. people, and like it, whatever your brand of Democrat was, you had your niche opportunity, and it it struck me as funny because anytime like these they wanted to beat up on somebody or they wanted to have a debate or whatever, like they just call us. So, like, so now we have to be experts in animal cruelty and we have to be experts <laughs> in sweatshops. I like I. Got into. I was the representative on a pro sweatshop debate because the university Democrats had to. Be, <laughs> I I was the pro sweatshop guy. They had to. They had to argue. They had to argue both sides in front of their members before they could. They were going to condemn the university for having sweatshop labor at the you know at the university co-op, which is where you buy the sweaters mm-hmm. and the basketball jerseys and whatever. And I was just like, all right, like we all we all love our teams. We all love our Longhorns. This is you know we all want to support and wear our clothes, or whatever would you guys pay $200 for a pair of sweatpants? And I was like, well, of course not. Like we're college students. Like we can't pay $4 for sweatpants. I was like, okay, well, cause that's what you're, that's what it's going to cost. If you vote on this and they have to make everything in America. Like, uh, I argued that the pro sweatshop side is like, well, <laughs> you're mad. Cause they're making 80 cents an hour. They're grateful that they're making 80 cents an yeah. hour because a, that's more than enough to make a day's wages in a low cost of living country. And B it's the difference between that and being unemployed. like, I don't know if
0: you've read uh, Phil Knight's book Shoe Dog, but he talks oh, yeah. he talks about that a little bit in there, where he's like they they tried. Well, I don't know if he tried. I mean, this is this is a very biased source, of course. But he he was like, if we offered people more American style wages to make our shoes in Vietnam or wherever they're making them, um, it, like they they got talked to by the local government because if if the shoe worker makes more than a doctor, it <laughs> throws the whole economy on its head because now the doctors are quitting their practice to come make shoes. make shoes, which is not good for the local economy. And so his that was his justification for paying, av- or whatever low. he what low wages. Yeah, in, what in would be low by an American low standard. by
2: American standards. Mm-hmm. Which um, so, I, but I, I I only bring that up because I'm just curious if there are particular issues that are, you know, very. Vibrant in eastern Oregon that kind of continually Come up I mean I, I know on the national stage Everybody we just overturned Roe versus Wade yeah. There's uh, Donald Trump Versus Joe Biden or maybe not Donald Trump Fingers it's, crossed uh, he's I, Republican I, probably well, we It's Donald Trump Unless there's some sort of a medical issue like But like are, awesome. there, uh, are there Any issues that kind of you see Crop up on campus that you see Foster debate among uh, You guys in a specific lefty organization Or just mm-hmm. among the college population at large Not
1: really right now uh, it's kind of nice I think next year that will change just because it'll be an election year and something will come up. Because uh, from the time I've been here, every time there's an election year, something comes up and there is normally a foster debate. Um, right now, though, it's, it's kind of just about representation, which is a thing we were just talking about before mm-hmm. the podcast. But um, this whole greater Idaho movement has legitimate steam here. Like, I'm not saying that's going to happen because yeah. it's not. But there's people who believe it. And are advocating for it because they're like, Salem doesn't represent us. We don't agree with those politicians on the west side of the state. Um, One issue that just came up is the Oregon Students Association, which is essentially the lobbying firm for Oregon students, uh, all the students, not even the universities. And the Senate, so I I had no vote in this, the Senate uh, unanimously voted not to partner with them because they feel like they would only represent universities on the west side of the state. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was something really interesting to me because I I I personally didn't see that vote going down that way. But um that, that it just it's representation it, it's always come back to that. I mean, I've been down there lobbying and the the legislators over there have been super super nice to me, but I come back and they're like they're not doing enough for us. And that's that is kind of blanketed across conservatives and liberals on campus. Huh. It's definitely stronger amongst conservatives, but Everyone's kind of like, they don't represent Eastern Oregon. Our university is different than everyone else. I mean, that we can go into this whole like PAC 12 thing later, which I know you guys have talked about, but <laughs> like, that has cascading effects on our school, hmm. which you want to think, but just because of funding and stuff. So interesting. Yeah.
2: So, I, what are, if I can ask, cause I, I, you know, you've referenced mm-hmm. Salem kind of not being a, Salem being a great place to go if you're from Portland or Salem or Eugene mm-hmm. or Corvallis and that's the type of government that you want. If you are from the rest of the state, what is it that, you, you know, what would you like to do if you get in there? What would it, what is, is it that you'd like to do differently or what would you do to, to ensure that there is kind of a more, even though the population center is You know, Portland and is weighted toward that part of the state. We're all still Oregonians. We all still deserve a voice in how our government is run. And we all Mm -hmm. certainly deserve to be able to take advantage of the services that the government is ostensibly supposed to provide. What are some of the specific things that, you know, if you're able to go lobby some of the representatives, if be mm-hmm. are able to get the ear of some of the folks, or for anybody that, anybody in Salem that happens to listen to our podcast, mm-hmm. which I think there are a couple of, I mean, mm-hmm. we've interviewed a bunch of state reps and everything, but like, yeah. <laughs> so I think we might have some ears there. But some what are too. some of the things around here that, like, that you'd like to see them work on?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. That's, uh, wow. I'm having a hard time answering that. I know I have the one on the top of my head, which is essentially like fund our, uh, college is better. It, it, really weird thing. Um, Oregon has one of the smallest per student funding of uh, higher education in the state. So, like, we are Mm – if you you take out our, like, college fund of how much the state legislature puts into this fund that goes to fund all schools, they are ranked 45th in this country per student. Wow. So, like, Alabama gives more per student to their universities than we
0: do. You got to fund that football program. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe I should – The football program probably funds itself, (laughs) but I know. know.
1: Maybe I I should stop bringing up Alabama because that's what everyone keeps saying. So, I need to pick a different southern
0: state. Pick a different southern state. Yeah.
1: Yeah, But, like, I think that one's really interesting to me because we're we're having uh, talks up at the uh, university. They're like, they keep reducing the funding here. And so, what happens is now we're raising the cost of tuition. And so, now we're putting students in more debt – Every single year. And so, I mean, the more debt you have as you graduate college and go into the workforce, yeah. the harder it is to raise a family. Yep. And then that has so many spiraling effects on that. And so that's, that's one thing that personally I would like to do. And that's not really a, I personally don't think that's a super partisan issue. It's just a budgetary issue here in the state. Um,
0: well, so yeah. I think it's interesting that, that, because I think it was, uh, might have, might have been Andy Huey who, who mentioned something. I forget if it was on the podcast or after, or maybe it wasn't even him, but, uh, mm-hmm. it, I, I remember things and then I don't know I don't know where it came <laughs> yeah. from. Um, but interesting that's that's sort of a almost a big government take on what the Republican party or what Salem could do differently. Yeah. Like am I wrong about that?
1: And I will say that kind of does go against most of like what the Republican party stands for and I know I'm, I'm No, it's it's fine. I mean it would, I but think
0: but I think we as moderates I guess um, I I believe that taxes have a purpose and you know they mm-hmm. should be used effectively to provide services for the greater good. Yeah. Um, not a, not a libertarian in the sense that roads should be privatized and, <laughs> you know, everything is better in the private, private sector. But um, yeah, I think yeah, education is important and I think that funding education is important. So I, I just, I, I'm just pointing out yeah. that it's kind of.
1: Cause as, as a public thing or a policy thing for me, what, how I look at it is it's either the state puts more money into it and kind of helps cover that cost or it goes into federal debt for those students or mm-hmm. students owing the, the feds debt. And that becomes a whole problem that include or increases the size of the federal government and all that stuff. And, you know, Sally may, and then, Oh, is Joe Biden going to go? And he, he's having this pressure to go. And uh, what was it? Cancel the forgive debt, all the, mm-hmm. for, yeah. forgive all the debt. And then it goes to the federal government. It's like, well, what's better collecting the state money here and putting it back into the college system here. So it stays in the colleges and kind of does a little rotating sphere uh, in the money. Well, anyway, sorry, well, but we're going
0: to, if we're uh, going to forgive the debt, why not just, why fund it at all? Exactly. You know, well, let's just let's just get uh, Uncle Joe to to forgive it all and, and Uncle Joe, there's no yeah. point. Yeah, Grandpa Joe, Grandpa, grandpa Joe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what,
1: what's the current name? Did he go to Crooked Joe now? Is that what Trump's calling him? Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. no. Did he Did he graduate from Sleepy Joe? Yeah, I think he graduated from Sleepy to
1: Crooked. Sleepy didn't work well enough for the election, so yeah. he need a new one.
0: <laughs>
2: well, I'll, I'll kind of Joe and a Rain dawn <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll.
0: Uh, just, just throw some stuff out there of other things that I've heard is is yeah. um, regulations, in particular environmental regulations, yeah. are very detrimental to Eastern Oregon. Um, we were just talking with uh, Alex McAdded, who I believe is actually the one who, who introduced mm-hmm. us to you. Yeah, um, front of the pod, front of the pod. Uh, he was he. I, I don't want to tell too much about him because he uh, didn't have permission to do this. But um, there was a it. there was a no. I can talk about what mm-hmm. he said. Just I don't want to like docks him any more than we already have um, <laughs> <Can> <laughs> docks, <yeah>. no. <laughs> uh, anyway he uh, works in a city who gets their water from the Sandm River mm-hmm. and there was a lawsuit recently where some lefty think tank sued the Army Corps of Engineers to open up the spillways of one of the dams in order mm-hmm. to make it easier for fish to be, do their fish stuff. Well, what ended up happening is in this, in, in, over the course of this, um, a bunch of other fish ended up dying. Not the, not the protected ones, but like it killed a whole bunch of salmon, uh, from just the, the change in water temperature, pressure. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a fishologist. Yeah. I don't know what that pescat pescatarian. <laughs> oh my goodness. Pesc- <laughs> Pescata- <laughs> Wait, isn't that like that's a so religious <laughs> eat, I know, I know. Somebody who eats me eats fish. Oh eats um, fish. Yeah, pescatarian is is eats fish. Um <laughs> <laughs> so the opposite of a fish biologist. <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> right, literally. <Yeah. laughs> um but anyway, and it's and it's screwing up the water tables. Uh yeah. the, the the water that they use to drink is now um from this river is now filled with sediment and dead fish, and also, and they're having problems getting enough drinking water into their community, mm-hmm. um, all because of this lawsuit from this lefty think tank. And that is just an indication, or just an example of people who probably have good intentions going overboard and doing something they're not qualified to do, uh, and causing a lot of a lot of negative effects for people who are not them. Uh, we had an episode about, uh, the wolves out here in Eastern Oregon, which is a big deal of, you know, the, the regulations around wolves, obviously the spotted owl and, and those sorts of things. So people in Salem will send over these regulations in particular environmental regulations that have the best of intentions, but ignore the trickle down effects to the people who live out here. And that is a, a, a huge problem, um, with representation in eastern Oregon.
1: Yeah. So and I mean that reminds me of what the current big problem is out here, which is the Snake River Dams. Mm. Um and I will admit I'm not the pro, best expert. Pro or on this. against
0: pro or con.
1: I am Snake for <laughs> keeping the dams in, personally. Um and I will admit I'm not the best expert on this. I would say if you want to interview someone really cool about it, talk to Cliff Bentz. Mm. Um he has been doing a lot of work uh with them and it's very interesting. But they supply a lot of the green natural power that we get to have here in Oregon and Idaho and Washington um, from just across the uh, – so across the Pacific Northwest, a lot of renewable energy, which is really cool. And that's what people want. However, now there's people saying that these dams are killing fish. And so it's kind of this this liberal like, oh, which one matters more, renewable energy or fish?
0: And well, I got into a similar argument with that on Reddit about the, uh, <laughs> the ones in southern Oregon, the – was it the Klamath with the Klamath River? I I forget. Anyway, or rogue, maybe no, it wasn't rogue. There was there was a is the southern Oregon, northern California. There was another, a set of dams that were actually being removed, mm-hmm. and I was like, is these these dams are providing power, like green power? Should we not keep that? I mean, if global warming is this existential threat that is going to end the world in four and a half years, um, why are we tearing these out in the name of fish? Like we mm-hmm. have other fish maybe not not just not to downplay the the environmental factors but like shouldn't we be pushing pushing more hydropower yeah and basically their argument was well it's a trade-off uh but i think we just need to trust the environmentalists that they know what they're doing i was <laughs> like oh my gosh, what a terrible what a terrible take but whatever um i, th- I mean the stake the snake river dams also prevent flooding that's another mm-hmm. thing that dams do. And there would be, if I remember the article I read correctly, that, um, there would be a lot more floodplains that would be in danger of, of flooding. If you took those out mm-hmm. and that there are people that live there, people's houses are in that, that flood zone. So, um, I think that that, that idea mostly has been nixed. Um, maybe it's still under being <laughs> discussed, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Last I heard, uh, uh, Maybe it was even under Kate Brown, but whatever governor pushed for it and then like withdrew that. So,
2: I think honestly that like this part of the conversation just kind of serves to underscore the fact that like for us in Portland, there's so many other things that we get told to focus on mm-hmm. and we see our legislature spend money on that. There are things that are really big deals to a lot of different people in rural parts of the state that are just never part of the discourse, never comes up in Willamette week, never comes up in like Oregon Capitol Chronicle, never comes up in anything that like you follow Salem. And it's like, we f- you physically have to go mm-hmm. here to the, to another part of the state to see, Hey, you like, just so you guys know, this is actually a really big deal for us. Yeah.
0: And without representation in Salem or with minimal representation in Salem, people, they just don't listen. Yeah. You know, their, their concern is for their constituents and their constituents are people who vote for them and give them money, exactly. which is not you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and that, that comes around to like my biggest overall point. And this is something that I'd really like to actually work on is creating a political machine like Ron DeSantis did in Florida. Well, I'm not saying I want to be Ron DeSantis, but... I'm um, too tall to be Ron DeSantis. <laughs> I'm
2: too tall. Is he short? <laughs> oh, yeah. How you, like I he keeps know. wearing heels in his boots. Yeah, I've like, seen that. You know, <laughs> I, he's I always, like five six or something like that. No that was, way. That yeah, was he's mean, five six. Know. Tiny little dude. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But... um, Political machine.
1: A political machine to... Make it so that Republicans win. I mean, if you look at the districts right now, I think in a couple of years, you could have a Republican majority in the House. The Senate, not so much. Hmm. Um, That would be way harder. But there's a couple of factors that are really helping Oregon Republicans right now. Oregon has a declining population for the first time in... Decades, mm-hmm. um, which generally means it's good for Republicans. You see states that have declining populations start to form, vote more uh, to the right. Another thing you see is that those people who are leaving also are kind of the wealthier Californians who moved here and are moving to the next hot spot to mm-hmm. the Boise, Idaho's to the Reno, uh, Nevadas to Missoula, whatever is the cool spot. And so we're seeing that right now and. I've heard, I don't don't know how uh, realistic this is, but from some of my other political friends in Salem, that supposedly Oregon's going to be a swing state by like 2032, 2036. Hmm. Is that true? I don't know. But what we really need to do and what we can do now is just create a machine where you can get the fundraising set up with small small donor dollars, have people put 10 bucks a month into a subscription service that just goes to the party. That's what they're doing in Florida. Create really good media accounts that actually create good content, like what you guys are doing. Um, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And have that going out so that people are constantly listening to conservative ideas and getting away from your MSNBCs and CNNs and stuff like that, or just listening to anything in general, just to be knowledgeable about stuff. And they're really putting that in.
0: Well, we definitely tried that. Uh, we, we collectively, not we, me, myself and Nick, um, with, uh, in this last election cycle, um, we had, it was supposed to be, you know, the red wave was supposed to yeah. come and, uh, ended up not happening. You I know, mean, it was a midterm with a an unpopular president. And it seems like so much of our political discourse gets uh, brought up to the federal level. Mm-hmm. Like we, I think we've had a discussion on the podcast before of, you know, the, the comment that all politics is local has really, almost turned itself inside out where politics is like in the frame of the federal government. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's how do you win elections as Oregon Republicans when you're running, essentially running against Donald Trump, you're either, and you either like, or in the context of Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, I think that's the question we don't know how to answer.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, and that that goes back to this national conversation of there's only so much you can do on an organ level. Yeah. I mean, Christine Drazen ran a really good campaign, in my opinion, but still got dominated by Donald Trump, who wasn't even running, right? Yeah, because there was attack ads saying Christine Drazen is a Trump supporter. There was ads that saying Christine Drazen was supporting the overturn of. Uh, uh, Oh my gosh, she uh, was she was supporting Dobbs essentially. The, yeah. the court decision to overturn abortion, so she's going to
0: take away your rights to have an abortion. Exactly, yeah. and that's what
1: her those ads were about because they couldn't attack her on anything else, so they yeah. just attacked her on the national level, and that hurt her. Obviously, I mean, lost by what three and a half percent, sixty-eight thousand votes.
0: I think if yeah. if uh, if Betsy gets closer to ten percent, I think we get Governor Drazen. I, but it was mm-hmm. the the vote the vote splitter who was because like the whatever the betting site is i forget where you can bet on political outcomes mm-hmm. they had they had them 50-50 most of the election cycle yeah um or at least you know a couple of months out and then it was just in the last couple of weeks that that Kotec really pulled ahead and it ended up being you know i think that the odds at the very end were 80-20 or 90-10 yeah
1: so so 538 which does poll aggregation and i'm yeah. a big fan of them uh they had the day before christine drazen had a like it jumped from 45 to like 67 percent chance of winning the day before election day and then election day happened and it dropped down to like i think she dropped down to 49 and then of course we saw how the night went from so, there but i right remember there. like watching it live because i was like
2: oh oh my god ha-
1: like, she could do this yeah what, what was the word you guys used before pyrite or something like that pirate yeah yeah pi- fool's gold fool's, fool's gold. gold yeah no that was that was a that was a killer one. I'm not going to lie. Cause I was, you guys said you're interviewing Brent clap next plug for the next episode. Um, but Tune I was in <laughs> listeners, <laughs> but, uh, I was interviewed or we were, we had an election night show with over there at EOA media. And I was up on stage looking at it and watching the results come in. And I'm just like, I think you can see my face just kind of go white uh, as I'm looking at it. Cause it's uh, like, oh. we saw Florida and we're like, Oh, Florida's doing all right. Oh, New York's doing all right. And then
2: everywhere else was just mediocre. Mid as red, the kids say, mid Tied, yeah. or red trickle or yeah. there was no red wave no. so i so i'd be curious for your thoughts we obviously like you mm-hmm. mentioned we've, we've got an election coming up next yeah. year and whether it's donald trump or whether it's an, another nominee mm-hmm. it obviously the democratic candidate is going to be joe biden who it is not very popular is underwater in a lot of polls and mm-hmm. is in a lot of head-to-head matchups whoever the republican is that you put him up against if it's Ron DeSantis or nikki haley or donald trump he loses nationally he loses in a lot of battleground states Mm -hmm. Is that an opportunity for young people to either to to get more involved or to kind of reintroduce themselves to the Mm -hmm. party and to just say, you know, it's not enough to just be like, hey, you know, Joe Biden is is a bad guy or whatever. But like, here are the specific policies that we're talking about And R or D. Everybody should be against this. Yet we keep see it happening. R or D. Everybody Mm -hmm. should be in favor of this. Yet we never see it happen. Our party and our candidate is the one who's going to be able to to go through and get some of these things done and actually get us. Back on the road to where we need to go because clearly we're we're not doing it right now. We have a double digit inflation for most of the last two years. Yeah. You yourself graduated high school probably on Zoom, mm-hmm. like all these different things that we've gone through and experienced that are just you know you can lick your finger and stick a finger in the air and just be like the winds aren't blowing the right way. Like this, this just feels off. You can, but I would be
1: very skeptical of that happening with the younger generation if it's Trump v Biden. Reason being, everyone looks at them and just says they're old. I don't care who wins, and that is a that is a very real sentiment. I mean, if you guys went around and walked around the campus right now and asked for polling, a lot of people would say I'm just not going to vote. It's hmm. too old. However, I think this does present an opportunity for Republicans to put up a younger nominee. Both Nikki and uh, DeSantis, as you mentioned earlier, are actually quite young, realistically for presidential candidates. Yeah, are they in their late 40s, early 50s, somewhere in there? Yeah. Um, and so you could have potentially a worthy the young, cool party. Like I know it sounds corny, but you could have that versus Biden, who's what, 81, 82, yeah. and campaigning against him with new policies, a different vision for the party, and just a big change. And I could see re- Republicans start to take over that younger generation, at least with that, if not a majority, maybe a plurality of votes.
0: So, so you think it's a lot of a, uh, not a lot of, but it, it's more of a marketing, we're not, we're the hip mm-hmm. young. Cool kids. It's so much about marketing. I mean, yeah. Pepsi v. Coke,
1: right? I mean, yeah. that's essentially politics. They're both blue and red. <laughs> um, but I mean, in the eighty, what was it? The Pepsi generation. I mean, they completely yeah. took over what I'm assuming your guys' generation was. And like <laughs> statistically... A before. I
0: was born in 85. That's okay. Little, so,
1: statistically, that yeah. generation drinks Pepsi more than Coke still. Huh. Because they got hooked in in their teen years. And they've just been drinking Pepsi ever since because Pepsi just went all in on the marketing. So I
2: you- was religious about Pepsi points, which was a thing. Mm-hmm. If you buy a 12-pack or a 24-pack and yeah. you cut out the little, ones like, this is worth 10 points or whatever. And then we saved it up and bought a beach chair for some. We lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which has some <laughs> of the most terrible winters. Yeah. We bought a beach chair. We got, I don't know, like a, like an inflatable beach ball. I don't know. Whatever you you stupid the, crap. You, did, but- you watched the Netflix documentary about the Harrier yep. jet? Yeah. I was yep. going to say, do you try going for the jet? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Ah, good times. Good yeah. times. Um That's interesting because I you know, the age of the president is not really a factor for me. You know, maybe you get to a point where you know, I mean, Joe Joe Biden, it's less his age and more that the fact is, is very clearly deteriorating. Mm-hmm. You know, um the and I and I don't even mean that in a derogatory way. Like he is getting dementia, he's he is starting to go CNL, the the man is it should not be the president of the United States. Um Trump even though he's the same age or i think maybe even older two or three years younger. Yeah, Is he two or three years younger? younger? Yeah. But he he's much more on it mentally. Mm-hmm. And so i have less of an issue with that and more just i mean the health issues and and just being able to be fully present in in a situation like that. Yeah. But yeah the actual age doesn't doesn't bother me but like I
2: think Mitt people Romney's think, almost eighty, and he's still like, sharp as a tack. Like, yeah. yeah, that guy would be a better president than all but like six people in this country, probably.
0: But these people keep getting voted in, and that's kind of like the whenever somebody brings up, well, I don't like the how old people are uh, running for president. I don't like how Mitch McConnell is one hundred mm-hmm. and fifteen years old, and you know has a stroke standing at a podium. It's like they keep getting elected. You all keep voting for them. That's why they're still in power. Like they're not as they're not in power because they just like win an election mm-hmm. and that they're they're stuck forever they yeah. win elections and then people keep voting for them so mm-hmm. if this is and maybe maybe it's just a a more younger demographic that would actually vote yeah. with their with their opinions but the, the the people who currently vote uh are not they <laughs> they, they <laughs> yeah. have opinions and then they'll still vote for an 80 year old exactly so.
1: yeah but, I mean, that's that's something that we see all the time. I mean, the, some of the biggest political memes that come out are, like, Mitch McConnell stopping to speak. Or, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah. whole uh, pausing in Diane Feinstein and Trump and Biden and everyone who is old. And, I mean, it's all like, oh, they're, like, geriatric people. And so, I don't know if that's an offensive term. I don't know. Anyways. I feel like <laughs> everything so. is
2: offensive these days. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Talk to the right person. It's like, oh, maybe shouldn't say that on the podcast. But, uh, no, it's – these guys are all incredibly old and they're running the country and they're not representing who our values are. And that gets – exponited when you bring up issues like abortion or marijuana which are very hot button issues for young people I mean that's like what they care about we saw in uh, Ohio which what Ohio went to Trump by 10 points this last cycle that it just flipped to the Democrats and they voted for uh, bill propositions for to legalize both Issue abortion, yeah, weed, yeah, and weed, and putting them to make them legal statewide. And those won, even though that state is kind it's of a now a solid state. red state. Yeah, and so you're seeing people turn out for those because they care about them. Thank goodness those were not on the ballot in '24, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, Very I true. always I wonder why Republicans have such an aversion to drugs. I mean, not not like hard drugs, but marijuana you know that this is now that Oregon has had legal weed for a while now it I feel like it's not that big of a deal and why don't we just do this federally it seems like a no-brainer but for some reason we just any Keep thoughts like why do the foot yeah. why is this the hill that we're choosing to yeah to die I mean, on even in Union County here
1: uh the talk of maybe putting our uh, weed is currently illegal to sell here in every city as well as the county. So there's no dispensaries in this county, oh, which is a college town, right? Yeah. And you find that funny, but um, it's still illegal here and people bring it up in the city council and the population journals. Like we will not let it pass. Hmm. So it's still, yeah, it's still an issue here.
0: Interesting.
2: I Are think you- honestly that might be kind of what we were touching on earlier is there's the geriatricization of <laughs> American politics. Mm-hmm. And if you cling to these like, well my grandmother always said that marijuana was a gateway drug and if you know that's the guy who's making policy instead of Mm -hmm. you know any 36 year old who's like I have friends who smoke weed every day and they're still just normal people like i have a glass of wine every day he smokes weed every day we we're all still fine we we get up to work and we are sober and we Mm -hmm. take care of our children and we do all the things that you're supposed to do and we just like having a little way to unwind at the end of the day and the world doesn't end and it's i think it's the same thing with our party with gay marriage for a while i think there's you're starting to see a lot more like now there's a lot more focus on trans stuff but in in terms of like same-sex marriage No Republican really cares about that anymore. It's like a Bergfell happened almost 10 years ago. The country didn't end. You still have Mm. the religion of your choice. You still have whatever. None of these things. You can still get married. All of these things are still exactly the same way. And now it's just that we've codified the ability for a same-sex couple to have the same rights that straight couples do. And we're all still good. So I, my my thought for a little while has always been... The the Republican Party, I think in particular, I think obviously all politics is going to be a little bit subject to to the issues of the time, but I think the Republican Party in particular in 10 or 20 years is going to be a lot more fun, frankly, for lack of a better term, a lot more Mm -hmm. comfortable with people smoking weed, a lot more comfortable with – we had a person run for governor who was a swinger. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and he was very open about that he was just like yeah look we well, so did it we don't do was, it now but we- he was open about it after he got caught after, after he got, yeah he got caught <laughs> yeah he, he, that's not how he let off his campaign no, with he like did. here's my beautiful wife and here's my beautiful girl <laughs> i don't he, know how well, he could have done that he even i don't
0: want to again did not get permission to talk about people but um he he lost fundraisers over that like he mm-hmm. lost he he and we hearing about it like once it came out they had a big meeting with with major donors and there were major donors that, that dropped him over that. Um, even though, like, I don't care what you do in the privacy of your own
2: bedroom. Like, I'm you're not, not cheating. Not my you're thing, not deceiving but, anybody. Yeah. You're like, again, it's not what I would do, but, but, and I think this is one of those, I saw, um, like a millennials versus Gen Z. Somebody was going on a rant and she said, we want, we did Instagram so that you could, we walked on Instagram so that you could run on TikTok. And I think this is going to be like, S- we stand walked so that whatever, you know, in 10 years, there's going to be some candidate who's <laughs> running. Deviant, who, yeah. Who like, cause lots of people have used Snapchat to send pictures of their naked selves to significant yeah. others. And lots of people have, you know, made comments on Twitter about, you know, well they're like, this girl's a smoke show or something like that. Like somebody like Stan walks so that somebody who's going to run in 10 years who has liked, you know, Instagram model pictures or who has, mm. Uh, you know, sent a DM to someone. It's like, hey, can I get a drink later or whatever? I don't know. But like all these things that will be were, are viewed as pretty big scandals right now will just be like, oh, wait, he didn't like he didn't murder somebody or like run over a dog with his car or like, like whatever. Yeah. He just hit on a woman. Like- I look forward to the day when sort of those
0: puritanical faux pas are, are no longer scandal worthy. I mean, yeah, you cheat on your wife. That's not that's not great. You know, you're deceiving. There are, there are other consequences, but if your wife's in on it, like who cares? That should not be newsworthy, much less, you know, derail someone's political career. Mm -hmm. So anyway,
2: I I think that we will, you know, I, I think that as times change and as next generation kind of takes over in 10, 15 years, I think that we have a lot more opportunity to, to go through and be like, okay, here's a way for that, that we can appeal to, more of the masses, we can appeal to more, certainly younger voters. We can appeal to more of the people in the middle who are like, I feel like I'd like to vote for a Republican, but like, they're just so stuffy on so many things. And like, there's Tina Kotek and he's, and we we're just talking like, I like Tina Kotek. I think she's doing a much better job as governor mm-hmm. than I appreciated there that, that I would have thought. I'm not going to vote for her in a couple of years, but I still, I can, you know, credit where credit's due, but like, She's out, she dresses in Captain America clothes. Like she seems cool. Like if you're an uninformed voter and don't know that she's a dictator or whatever, you might be like, (laughs) Wow, like, yeah, I'm gonna vote for this person versus stuffy, mean Republican, whoever the bad guy is at the point in time. See, I don't think so. I think well, I think it it all just
0: rolls up to Trump at this point. And he is such a big figure in the party that you have to if you're a Republican, you your existence is in relation to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And even if you are uh I don't know that it's stuffiness. I don't know that it's, oh, they don't care about me. It's, this is the party of Trump and Trump says and does these things, which means you are, even if you are not, uh, those things, uh, racist, sexist, homophobia, like whatever words they used to describe him, you are supporting that and you are complicit. And therefore you are the worst thing in the, I do think anyway. we're pretty stuffy though.
2: Like as uh, a party in general, maybe, It could lighten up a little bit, just a little bit.
0: Yeah. We try. Um, well we are getting toward the end of the podcast. So Calvin, one of the things we like to do at the end of our pods is ask our guests who their favorite Republican is. So Mm -hmm. living or dead, someone you've met, someone you haven't, um, doesn't matter. Do you have a, a favorite Republican?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about this the whole podcast, and I'm going to pick Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Oh, yeah. Has anyone picked? Has anyone picked him? No, I don't you are the first.
1: So. No, that's cool. I mean, West Coast Republican, West Coast, best coast, right? Yeah. True. But I mean, a guy who really came to America and pulled himself up by his bootstraps, super inspirational. I mean, mm. just did everything. The, I mean, the whole bodybuilding thing, which I'm kind of getting into a little bit, and uh, just just being an all around like pretty cool guy. And also Terminator, one of the best movies, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, I, I got to pick him, and yeah, I mean, cool policies awesome. and running governor or
0: California and whatnot, but
2: yeah, also pretty big They're, into the adultery and had a child out of wedlock, which is somewhat problematic. But <laughs> guy who could win, Arnold at-
0: Schwarzenegger walked, so that Stan, so that Stan could run there it is. stand the swing
2: Stan. stand. But I, it, it is a um, you know, you got you to admire anybody who can win an election in a very, 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 very blue state. Yeah. As a Republican, and he's—I think—he's a Republican in our mold. He's—he's a—I he's a, a, say James, and I, I'm issuing to James, and I, mm-hmm. I don't know where you consider yourself yeah. on the spectrum of Republican. If you're more conservative, more centrist, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's—we're we're just happy that you're on our show. That's great. Right. But at, <laughs> he's a, a more centrist Republican. Acknowledges mm-hmm. climate change. Worked to you know work to green California up. You know he's mm-hmm. not this ogre you know Nixon-like. Mr. Burns Republican like I think what what is the character of a lot of typical Republicans but he, he won an election and then he won re-election and that's a really really obviously rare feat to do I can't tell you the last I mean we our last Republican governor won in 1986 no he he won in 1982 served through 1986 mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know the last Republican governor of Washington probably also the 70s or the 80s before that it was probably Ronald Reagan in California before Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like Might have been.
1: I think it was. It was we, Reagan or Nixon, right? Yeah. I forgot who came first.
2: I I don't know that Nixon was the, I, I know he was the Senate. I don't know he was ever governor of California. Oh, but like okay. there's well, a there sure. is a lot of there's a lot of history of blue here on these three states mm-hmm. and it's just like you gotta admire somebody who can kinda literally punch through that. If the, if it takes becoming yeah. a bodybuilder to punch through that then more power to you. Mm-hmm. But he did it. Yeah. yeah. And I love to win. So
0: there you go. Love Probably it. better have better luck out here than you do in, in our neck of the woods for, right. for winning. Well, anyway, Calvin, thank you again for coming on the podcast. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for hosting us here at your house mm-hmm. in Legrand. And listeners, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.